We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and on today's show, I'm going to be going solo, but Fachi will be present. You might be thinking, how in the world can you be going solo, but Fachi still make an appearance on the show? Well, me and Fachi decided, you know what? We had four questions we did not get to on the mailbag. They were not time-sensitive, so we went ahead and pushed them back a few days. He went ahead and sent me his answers via email, so I'm going to read his answers over the over the air but he was not able to join me tonight for the recording so we're going to answer these questions it's going to be a lot of fun we're talking about new year's resolutions for the team and for individual players we're talking about devin booker trade possibilities uh and lolly gives me and fachi four names to discuss in terms of what it would take to get a trade done and we also look at guys on the roster and someone gives us a hypothetical if these four players are available you can only keep one or you have to trade one for the pacers who are you going to trade so yeah, that was a tough question. But with that being said, this one uh, is a fun one. We have a lot of good questions here. So let's start things out with our man, Ed. He said, what should be some individual and team New Year's resolutions by the Pacers? So going to go ahead and read Fachi's answers here. Fachi said, Obi Toppin. 
attack the glass and defensive matchups the same way to attack the rim on alley-oop. So he wants to see Obi become better defensively and better uh, as a better rebounder and attack those like he does the rim on alley-oops. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, he also said for Benedict Mathern, continue to strive to be more than just a scorer. We've seen nights where he could pull down 11 or 13 rebounds, but far too many nights where he has 0 or 1 uh, rebound or 0 or 1 assist. So Faji wants to see Matherin become more than just a scorer. And then lastly, he said, I want Tyrese to be more aggressive in the first half. It feels far too often the way Tyrese settles into a game uh, is to get his teammates going early, which Faji respects, but far too often it feels like he may finish the first half with maybe eight points on not that many shots, but then comes out in the second half far more aggressive and ends up getting, you know, near 25 points per game. So Fachi wants to see a more balanced scoring attack from Tyrese Halliburton throughout the first and second half. Okay. So because Fachi said those three names, I went ahead and did two different names and I'm going to go with Bruce Brown. I said, while this season hasn't been spectacular by any means, Bruce needs to prove to the fans why he was brought here. The defense hasn't been as bad as people who casually watch think. And honestly, we haven't seen Bruce with this new revamped defense that is playing pretty well. So I am hoping that Bruce in this revamped system is a positive. Now, in addition to that, the Pacers really need Bruce to shoot at least 35% from three by the end of the year. Currently, Bruce is shooting just 29.7%. You can't have a guy out there that's you know, shooting under 30% <laughs> as your shooting guard on a team that really needs to play solid offense. And Andrew Nimhart also has been playing in Bruce's stead at the shooting guard position while Bruce has been out. He has not been shooting the ball particularly well either this year. So for me, I just think that Bruce, he was brought in here, highest paid player on the team to kind of be that championship level player that can come on this Pacers team and kind of help establish a defensive presence. He can also establish just a winning mentality with this team and, and bring a winning culture. So, you know, he's been out the last five games and the Pacers have gone on a winning streak without him. So they've won four of their last five games. They're four and one without Bruce in the lineup. And it, it kind of tells you that Bruce maybe isn't the the highest paid player. Like obviously he's not the, the talent wise there, but Bruce to me is a guy that can contribute to winning. And people might not agree with that, but I'm telling you, Bruce Bruce is going to help this team, especially come playoff time, just because of his experience. He just needs to get better at shooting the basketball. And I think over the next couple of months, maybe um, he can find that shot once again and water can find its level. But I just think Bruce needs to improve in that area. So so the last one here, Buddy Hill. Look, Rick loves him. <laughs> Some Buddy Hill. Believe it or not, I think Hill has improved on defense. But similar to Bruce, the Pacers need his uh, elite-level shooting. Look, last year, Buddy Hill shot 42.5%. This year, just 37.9%, and it's on less attempts. So that, to me, is a bit worrisome. You know, this is a contract year for Buddy Hill, and his role has changed multiple times this season, but nothing has changed in terms of what they're wanting Buddy Hill to do, and that is to take and make shots. So at the end of the day, Buddy has shot the ball Pretty good. 37.9%, almost 38 is a pretty good percentage. But when you look at what he shot last year, that's four and a half percent less than what he shot last year on less attempts. So you haven't really felt the impact that you felt from Buddy last year this season. And when you see him go 0-4 against Milwaukee and have these games where he's putting up over six or one for 10 or whatever it is, it just feels heavier than when you realize, okay, maybe against Atlanta, he was like eight of 10 from three, you know? 
everything's going to find its level at some point, but you just hope Buddy can continue to be an elite level shooter and be a little bit more consistent in that area. So now we're going to move on to team resolutions. Here's what Fachi said. Treat defense with the same sort of excitement that you treat offense. Don't live and die by the three. Some night, it's, it's just not your night from three. Uh, so know when to swing it around for better looks inside. Get players such as Matherin and Turner going early as it really keeps them involved for the game. All right. For me, I just said continue growing on defense. Right now, the Pacers are 13th in the NBA since the Clippers game, and that's when they gave up 150-some points to the Clippers. They got blown out in that game. It was the first game back after that long road trip from, from Vegas, and they had that hard practice. But they have improved defensively since then, and they've kind of made some adjustments to the lineup and how they're playing. So, yeah, just continue to grow on defense. And then the last thing I said is we got to be a stronger rebounding team. Right now the Pacers are 29th in the NBA in rebounds. And I think with the way they've changed their defensive scheme, it's going to help them. They've, they've gone bigger with Jalen Smith at the four. Um, you know, Obi Toppin was starting at the four, only averaging about two and a half, three rebounds a game. Uh, Jalen is a better rebounder. He gives you more size. It gives you more length. It allows Miles to not always to be the sole rim protector, so he can kind of get more involved in rebounding. And we've even seen a collective effort from guys like Tyrese Halliburton, Ben Matherin, um, Buddy Hield even at times has been on the glass active. Aaron Neesmith, we know he can get on the glass. So it's just going to become a team effort thing. It doesn't really need to be like an individual thing. So I just feel like if the, the Pacers can really work on that, it's going to help them. So that is our New Year's resolutions. And thank you for that question, Ed. But now we're going to move over to Teddy. He said, Pacer fans, if you have to choose one player to trade, who are you choosing out of these four players? Miles Turner, Benedict Matherin, Aaron Neesmith or Andrew Nimhart. All right. Here's what Fachi said. Oh man, this is a real tough one. Absolutely not Neesmith as he has been extremely vital to this Pacers team this season. Matherin and Nimhart are young and under contract for the next few seasons. As much as I do value Turner, next season is his last season under contract and Nimhart alone, especially at this point, would not bring back anything significant in return due to him only making $2.1 million this year and roughly the same moving forward. I'm not ready to give up on a massive potential that Matherin has at still just 21 years of age. So in a nice way there, Fachi said he's given up Turner out of all those four because of the contract situation. Now, let's dive into it a little bit more. Here's what I said. There is no easy answer to this question. The high, highest ceiling of the four is Matherin. The best player right now of the four is Turner. Neesmith plays with such a competitive edge that nobody else on this team really plays with and is one of the team's best defenders. I think he is a lock to stay, especially with his team-friendly contract. Andrew is the cheapest contract on the roster, but he also is only under team control for two years. So, you know, really, if you think about it, Andrew Nimhard does not have the same contract as a Ben Matherin who has that unrestricted or has restricted free agency. So, you know, look, as long as Tyrese is here, Nimhard will never be a starting point guard, and that might be what he is hoping to get in his next contract. This is extremely tough, but with how much money will likely to keep Miles, I think the center position is the most expendable of the four. However, I do worry about how Nimhard values his role with this team, and if he and his agency would look elsewhere for a bigger role, that could mean that, you know, the Pacers don't have a great shot of keeping him once he becomes an unrestricted free agent, if he does not resign with the team before that. So, you know, I was just, you know, back to Matherin being under team control for the next two years, plus his restricted free agent rights. It's easier to hold on to him and let it play out. 
because you're looking at potentially six plus years with Matherin um, under contract, under team control, you know, Aaron Neesmith, and this is where we can almost get ourselves caught into a trap a little bit, because I think talent wise, if you're looking at top to bottom, the ceiling for Neesmith is probably the lowest out of these four. And that's hard to say with how well he's played, but he's really just a good role player. These other guys can <laughs> all kind of showcase why they are, you know, I, I think, I think, I think this year we've seen a more consistent Neesmith than Turner, but overall, I still think Turner is a better overall player. Now it's a tough situation because they are two totally different players with what position they play. But I understand why, you know, fans and myself have really been enamored with Aaron Neesmith, but I, I kind of feel like this almost might be a prisoner of the moment where we're thinking a little bit too hard about uh, Aaron Neesmith and all that he brings. Like, yeah, he is a, a great player in, in terms of what he brings. And he's super easy to root for, just a really nice guy, works hard, no ego, no nothing. And his contract is extremely friendly, but he is probably the lowest ceiling player of these four when, when everything's clicking right for all of them. But, you know, I just worry about what Turner's contract is going to be. The Pacers had that cap space to make a very team-friendly deal and a deal that really paid Miles quite a bit when they extended him last year. But at the same time, like, are you going to pay $30-plus million to Miles Turner, $25-plus million to Miles? Like, it doesn't sound like that much with a cap going up, but you got to consider everything that's on the table. And do you like the growth that you've seen from Jalen and Ijax? Do you feel like those two guys – have been good enough that they could maybe carry the load at the center position. You go out there and get you a third string center to kind of be their backups. If there's an injury or something like that, or they get in foul trouble and, and don't invest as much money in the center position and maybe go look to get some fours and free agency, that could be another way to do this too. So it's, it's a tough one. I, I kind of agree with Faji here that I think miles probably out of these four, but yeah, I, I don't really have any interest in getting rid of miles at this point right now, unless you're really getting somebody that you feel like, can kind of fill that void for him. And I don't think I trust Jalen and, and Isaiah yet to, to make that next le uh, step. So let's keep it moving here. This is a funny Twitter handle. Uh, our third question of this mailbag for today. This one says, Woj bounces on TV. His question was, do you think the Pacers should trade for Devin Booker? Okay, well, let's just clear things up here. I don't think Devin Booker is on the market. I don't think Devin Booker is available. But for the sake of this conversation, let's dive into it. So here's what Fachi said. He said, there is no scenario where I see the Pacers trading for Devin Booker. We need more two-way players, and I couldn't see a scenario where that doesn't cost us absolutely everything outside of Halliburton, which would include all our young players and five-plus first-round picks. So, you know, he's an incredible player, but I just don't see us being the team to trade for Booker. That's what Fachi said. Now, Here's what I said. Devin Booker is just 27 years old and one of the best shooting guards in the league. If the Pacers were able to get their hands on Booker, I think they should highly consider it. With Booker's elite shot making and playmaking abilities, I think he would fit in nicely offensively next to Tyrese. Look, he is a lackluster defender and next to Halliburton, that would be an easy backcourt to attack defensively. You could poke all the holes you want into Booker's game, but the biggest hole is Booker is an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So trading for him now after Phoenix went all in and mortgaged, uh, mortgaged their draft capital would be unwise by the Pacers. Look, if Phoenix decides to blow it up in the summer and Booker would do a sign and trade, 
then the Pacers should be <laughs> more serious with their interest. However, the Suns are the Suns are going to want a King's Ransom, as Fachi alluded to previously. So the risk might not be worth the reward. I would highly consider it if I were Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan because it's not often that a 26.4 points per game scorer who averages nearly eight assists becomes available. But, you know, Phoenix dug themselves into a hole by trading everything for Durant, Beal, and Nurkic. So, you know, I don't think the Suns make a trade to blow it up <laughs> at all. So this is kind of a silly question to me, <laughs> only because Devin Booker, to me, is not going to be on the market anytime soon. Like, I think the Suns would trade everybody but Booker before they traded Booker. I mean, Durant's getting older. Beal can't stay healthy. Uh, Nurkic, I mean, could they even trade him? I don't even know if anybody would want him. But that's where I'm at with this one. Like, yeah, I think that if Booker became available, 27 years old, would fit in with the timeline, you're thinking at least eight-plus good years of Devin Booker. And, and with the way the league has been, you know, shifting, we've been seeing players stay relevant when they're older. So maybe you could even get 10 more good years out of Booker. It just makes me a little bit worried, you know, uh, thinking about, is that the guy you want to invest everything into? And is it also the guy that you're going to give up a lot for at the deadline, knowing that he could be an unrestricted free agent? So this, to me, is a little bit worrisome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I do like Devin Booker. I, I, I think about him and Tyrese playing together offensively, and I think they would be a dynamic duo in the backcourt. But I, I do worry about that defense. I mean, Devin Booker has shown some flashes of defense when he actually tries, but most of the time he is not a defensive-minded guy. And we've seen how he's been playing a little bit more point guard with Phoenix this year. Brad Beal is going to be was supposed to play some point guard too, but he can't stay healthy. He's just returned from injury not too long ago. So, yeah, I think this is a an interesting one because you don't really think about the Pacers going after another guard with this roster they currently have. But, yeah, I mean, I, Devin Booker – would be better than anybody else on this roster not named Tyrese Halliburton, right? And, and that's the bottom line. You know, he is that good of a player. He's arguably better than Halliburton by some. So, you know, I, I wouldn't put him in that mold just yet because I don't really know if I think he's better overall. But, I mean, they're pretty close when you're looking at overall talent. So that would be a fun one-two punch, and especially offensively. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. So. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So the last question here comes from our guy, Ed Lolly, who is a faithful listener and always sends me direct messages with questions. And Ed Lolly said, when we traded for Halliburton, no one saw it coming. And at the time, he is presumed to be untouchable. With that being the case, here are some unlikely, presumable, untouchable candidates. Brandon Ingram, Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson, Mikkel Bridges. Now humor us with what it would take from our assets to get them in a Pacers uniform. Okay, Ed. <laughs> so we're going to start off with the guy that's probably the least or the uh, the most touchable, the least untouchable. That's Miles Bridges. Look, Fachi said Miles Bridges is hands down the cheapest as he is expiring and would likely cost matching salary as well as a first-round pick and or a younger player. I think the Hornets value him more than any other team, given his off-the-court history. So that was from Fauci. Here is my response. There is already rumors swirling that the Hornets will not bring Bridges back next year. Indiana would not bring on someone to their roster that is charged with what he was charged with for last season. I will only answer this question because you asked, but Indiana would only offer Jordan Moore on the protected first for Bridges. He would for sure help them on court, but that is not something they would partake in. So look, I'm not saying Fachi thinks they would do that at all. I don't think Fachi even believes the Pacers would go after Miles Bridges. But to me, there is no way I'm giving them a young player. I'm not giving them a Ben Shepard, uh, a Jairus Walker, Andrew Nimhart. None of those guys are, are going to be even close to on the market for uh, Miles Bridges. This is a guy that, to me, the Hornets are getting a lot of bad, you know, bad publicity from it. And they don't really seem to care that much. Like the guy couldn't even go to Canada and play because of the domestic violence charge he had last year. And you can say like, well, we don't know that he did it or there, there's no proof. And you can't, you can't judge somebody unless you know, look, I'm not getting into all that. All I'm saying is that when you have a red flag like that and there's a lot of issues, that's someone you don't touch. It's not someone you go after and trade for. So yeah, it would be an unlikely player, but I don't think he's by any stretch of the mean untouchable. I think the only reason he would be considered untouchable is because nobody wants to, to trade for him because of the the bad marks that he has against him. So we're going to keep it moving now, and this one is a little bit more interesting. We're going to go to Brandon Ingram. Here's what Fachi had to say about Brandon Ingram. He said, Brandon Ingram would require multiple first-round picks and or maybe a pick swap plus young players. Ingram makes $33 million this year and has one more year at $36 million next season. So absolutely Bruce Brown or Buddy Hill plus McConnell would need to be included just for salary purposes as well of, as of course, and Matherin or Jairus Walker would need to be in there plus picks. It won't come cheap. Okay. So 
I think that the deal, this is me speaking now, would potentially, I think that this deal would potentially get it done. Um, that would be Bruce Brown, Miles Turner, Jairus Walker, and two first-round picks for Jonas Valanciunas and Brandon Ingram. A starting five of McCollum, Brown, Murphy III, Zion, and Turner is semi-intriguing, especially since JV can leave in free agency after the season and Turner is still on a bargain deal. This frees up Trey Murphy III to be more of a scorer next to Zion, but it tells Zion this is his team and he doesn't have to share that role with B.I. The Pelicans get assets and a young Jairus Walker and two firsts for the future. However, I do not like this deal for the Pacers because I'm not sold on B.I. being the guy Indiana should go all in, and, uh, in on. I believe the picks and players, um, I, I value the picks and the players more than what Indiana is getting in return. I, I think the Pelicans will ask for a ton to, to get a guy like Brandon Ingram. So, you know, I, I'm not throwing Matherin on that deal. And I think that the backcourt in New Orleans is already pretty crowded. So I don't really know where they'd have room for him. I think that Turner next to Zion would be a really nice fit. We talked about Turner and Zion together for quite a while now, since pretty much Zion got drafted there. Pelicans fans have been wanting to get their hands on Turner. I think Brown would be a really nice defensive minded guy for him and that kind of thing. But, you know, having JV for the Pacers as like a serviceable big for the rest of the season, maybe you bring him back on a cheaper deal. I don't really know what his value is um, across the league, but he's had his way with Turner at times, but Turner's also been able to give it back to him here and there. So, you know, JV has always been a problem for the Pacers just because of how aggressive he is on the glass. So I actually don't like totally hate this deal. I just don't want to give up Jairus, you know, plus two first for, for Brandon Ingram being that guy. I mean, yeah, he might overall have the higher ceiling than Jairus Walker in those two future first round picks, but with only two years left on the deal, is that worth trading away that much for, for a guy that you're not really sure if he can be that guy. And we haven't really seen that yet with New Orleans. So I'm pretty much out on Brandon Ingram right now for this type of package. And what I think that the, the Pelicans would want now, maybe come next offseason, next season when Brandon Ingram's an expiring contract of $36 million. Does New Orleans, you know, lower the price? Kind of like we saw OG and Anobi's price get lowered from Toronto from the previous year where they were wanting three to four first round picks for him. So that is something to keep an eye on. But for right now, I don't think Brandon Ingram is the right guy to go after. So we've got two guys left, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Mikael Bridges. Let's start, let's start with Triple J. Fachi said, I'm not sure what his trade value is, but I would imagine they would want Turner plus draft picks and or young players for the reigning defensive player of the year. Triple J is owed about $75 million over the next three years, so at least he's signed. Turner and Matherin or Jairus Walker makes it work salary-wise, and then I would imagine they would be looking for multiple first-rounders, which is just too much for Fachi. Okay, so here's what I said. JJJ would be an elite-level rim runner for Tyrese for several years to come. This would be someone that is worth investing a heavy price for. However, I don't think Memphis would move him at all. For the sake of the exercise, here's my best trade offer. The Memphis Grizzlies in Triple J and Steven Adams for Miles Turner, Jairus Walker, Ben Shepard, Jordan Mora, two unprotected first, and two pick swaps. Okay, I think Indiana would be semi-hesitant to offer this much but Triple J is a mobile big who can play four or five. He averages 21 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 1.6 blocks per game, which he averaged three last year, which led the league. Um, and he's only 24 years old. And Fachi mentioned a former defensive player of the year, uh, actually the current defensive player of the year, um, and would align perfectly with Tyrese. He signed a four-year, 
$104.7 million contract last season, and his contract declines for the next two years. So this year, he makes $27.1 million. Next year, it's only $25.2, and the year after that is $23.4. Think about that for a second. Think about you're getting a guy that's entering his prime at 25 and 26, and his contract is declining and decreasing. That's, that's hard to pass up. The way Memphis structured that contract was huge for them to get it to decelerate in terms of it's a disintegrating contract. You know, he started out making a ton of money and then it gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. That was a really smart contract negotiation by Memphis with that. And I think this is why Indiana should be more intrigued by it just because they're going to have Halliburton on that max deal and his is going to kind of increase every single year. And so it kind of gives you that ebb and flow there, a little bit of like your two best players aren't breaking the bank. And that could help the Pacers be more active in free agency. So look, the more I think about it, the more I believe Indiana would love this offer. I'm sure that Memphis would probably ask for Matherin instead of Noir and Shepard, but got to remember, they already have Smart, Bane, and Joss. So where where is Matherin really seeing the floor? Is he a six-man for him? Like, is that really what they want? You know, um, he probably has more value than those two for sure, but then you're probably not giving up all those picks. I don't think you're giving up two picks and two pick swaps if you're giving a Matherin instead of the Warren Shepard. So uh, this one's very tough for me. <laughs> I know a lot of Pacers fans are like, oh, JJJ is not worth it. And then, you know, Steven Adams, he's out for the year. He's, I can't remember what his contract is next year. It might be a team option for about $12 million, but still it's something that's not very expensive. It's another big that you could throw in there for next year that could rebound the basketball, play good defense. Still, is in his prime. He's not past his prime yet. So I think it's really worth looking at. I, I don't think that Jaron Jackson Jr. is a long-term five. I think he's a long-term four. And he kind of gives me some bam out of bio vibes. You know, probably I, I think a, a better three-point shooter than bam. But overall, I, I just feel like this would make a lot of sense considering that he's only 24 years old. And I keep thinking about that. Everybody else is at least 27 or older in these conversations we're talking about. So having a 24-year-old potentially be available on the market, that's something you can't pass up. But lastly, let's go to Mikkel Bridges, who's everybody's darling. So Fachi said, apparently the Nets turned down four first-round picks for Bridges last year, and I don't think he's done anything to hurt his value and has three years left about $68 million owed to him. So that's valuable to any team trading for him. Sounds like this would take three to four first-round picks and or swaps, plus plus players such as Mather and Walker and Nimhart and more. Three of these four players will cost a ton. I do, however, think Mikael Bridges makes the most sense for this Pacers team, which is also why he would cost the most. Okay, let's break this down. The thing that intrigues me the most about Bridges is his fit with Tyrese. I think it is safe to say that the Tyrese is an alpha on a team. He can be... Uh, he can be the Batman, but he needs a Robin. You know, I believe that Mikkel can be the perfect Robin next to Tyrese, but the problem is he is currently Brooklyn's Batman. So that is where things get really tricky. You know, Bridges is going to cost an arm and a leg because he means more to Brooklyn based on how their roster is currently built. What concerns me a little bit is Bridges' numbers have dipped this season from last year. You know, you look at... Bridges' numbers with Phoenix. He shot 46.3% from the field, 38.7% from three, 89.7% from the free throw line on 13.6 field goal attempts. Then once he got traded to Brooklyn, he shot 47.5% from the field, 37.6% from three, and 89.4% from the free throw line 
on 18.6 field goal attempts. However, this season, he is shooting 45.7%, lower than both those uh, from the field, 35.9% from three, lower than both of those this season, and 82.9% from the free throw line. That's about a 7% drop-off from last year on 16.4 field goal attempts. So he's actually taken 2.2 less than he took the last 25-plus games of Brooklyn when he got traded last year. So on less attempts, he's shooting a lesser percentage from three free throw and the field than he shot last year when he first joined the Brooklyn Nets. And obviously he's shooting a, a lesser percentage from when he was a Phoenix last year before getting traded. But I do understand that he was taking about three attempts less in, in, in Phoenix. So it was a different role for him. He was being more of a, a secondary guy, more of like a Robin or maybe even, you know, a third, fourth option for Phoenix compared to number one, number two. So this is where it gets tough, but here, here we go. Here is my best trade offer for this deal to go through. Indiana would send Buddy Hill, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nimhard, two unprotected first and two pick swaps while Brooklyn would send Mikel Bridges and Royce O'Neal. This gives Brooklyn a potential starting point guard in Nimhard, potential all-star and Matherin in control of the Pacers' picks for four years. Indiana keeps Turner and Brown. They add Bridges, who will drastically improve the defense and compare him with Neesmith and Halliburton to round out the starting five. In this deal, Indiana also keeps Jairus Walker, someone that could potentially be the starting four next to Bridges and Turner, and they also pick up a savvy veteran in uh, Royce O'Neal, who could help with their depth and defense. Brooklyn would probably want Jairus in this trade as well, but Indiana can't mortgage all their picks and all their young players. They invested those picks in for one player who isn't a top 25 player in the league. So for me, I totally understand why Bridges makes the most sense for the Pacers. He's a three. He's got a long wingspan. He can guard a lot of players. He can play some small ball four. He can do a lot of different things. However, I don't see him as an alpha. I see him as a Robin. I don't see him as a Batman. I think that Tyrese Halliburton, while we question, is he too much of a pass-first guy to be a Batman? He has proven it time and time again that he can come to the rescue and be that Batman. Where Mikael Bridges, from what I've seen of him, he can do it from time to time, but he's not consistently a Batman, and that's why the Nets aren't a top six, top seven team in the Eastern Conference. Tyrese Halliburton is currently right now on basketball reference top six in MVP candidates. Mikel Bridges isn't close to that. And I'm not trying to be mean about Mikel Bridges, but you also have to consider what you're doing. So this is a tough trade. I mean, you're giving up a lot of good stuff here. You know, control over your next four years of picks is really hard to do, hard to give up. Mikel Bridges is a hard guy to get. And if you're trying to build this roster to be a winner right now, that's kind of the move you're going to have to make. Do I want to give up Nimhart and Matherin and four potential, you know, four pick, four control of the pick, right? You know, control over the next four picks. That's that's tough. But I ultimately know that winning is what gets fans excited. And you're going to have to trade good players to get good players back. You know, this is... uh one of those things where maybe you don't have to give up Nimhard and Matherin. Maybe you just give up Matherin, healed and all those picks and throw in a Jordan Warren instead of Nimhard. But I just feel like they're going to want more than that for Bridges. 
But, you know, Ben Matherin, two unprotected first and two picks hops is probably pretty fair. Um, but it just depends on how much the Nets actually believe in what Matherin can do. Now, Matherin has made some large steps this year in terms of his growth. And so this is why you might say, well, let's just trade Jairus instead of Ben. But I think that they're going to want Ben just because you're kind of trading someone at that same position. They've already got Cameron Johnson. They got Nick, Cla Nick Claxton. But I just don't really know which direction the Nets are heading in right now. It seems like they're kind of trying to figure things out. They still got Ben Simmons on the roster. Like if the pace had to take him back to get this deal done, I don't think I would do it either. Just that's a lot of money. Who are you giving up to get that deal done? Is, is it worth giving up that type of money to get him on the on the you know to get Mikael Bridges? I don't I don't think so. So overall, I think that out of these four players, Bridges probably makes the most sense, but I, I think I might lean Jaron Jackson Jr. for me, where Fachi is going to be more of the Mikael Bridges. I think Jaron Jackson, just being 24 years old and playing power forward and being so good defensively, that to me is the better upside in terms of like who makes sense fitting-wise with Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I think it's like neck and neck between him and Bridges, but I, I think I would just give the edge to J, Triple J because he is three years younger and that contract is declining where, you know, Bridges is going to be up for a new contract and he's going to be wanting some money here soon. So I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. I think that both guys are, are really intriguing players, but uh, definitely don't think BI or uh, Miles Bridges are the right guys to look at. So that is going to wrap it up for the mailbag today. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And sorry if I did slur over my words a little bit here and there, but hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation um, that I had with myself and yeah, I would love for you guys to chime in on the conversation by letting us know your thoughts on social media. Thank you all so much for supporting this podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find Fachi and I on Twitter. Uh, Fachi is at underscore F-A-C-C-I. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash the Pace of Pacers Podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast. And Pacers fans, thank you so much. It's been an awesome 2023 we're excited for 2024 lots of good things coming but if you're excited for the pacers to keep on playing good basketball in the month of january then hit me with those three words let's go pacers <laughs>